Chapter 19 of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter 19 The Goods and the Pattern. Life had suddenly taken on a new aspect for Betty. Lois was engaged, Miss Minturn was married and far away, and with Miss Snell, Betty had daily opportunity to test her kinship with the one she had held up to Jack so casually in the spring, the man with the heart too large to remember a wrong. Though Betty kept the fear to herself, she never went to the studio without expecting to be told that at the end of the month her services would no longer be needed, for very few of the former studio force remained. It was just after dinner mrs baird betty and miss jane were in the sewing-room lois sat apart writing the others suspected to dunny before taking up her sewing for every one was now busily hemming for the bridal chest i do believe the whole trouble with miss snell is the lack of a sense of humor said betty abruptly chuckling to herself what is it this time betty inquired lois lifting her head expectantly why, today I quoted one of our favorite things from Alice in Wonderland. She asked where I got that. When I told her, she said disdainfully, I think that's a very silly book. Betty and Lois shrieked with laughter. It's hard to hold a grudge against such a poor soul, isn't it, Betty? laughed Lois, returning to her letter, in which she incorporated this last Snellism, as she called it, for Dunny's enjoyment miss jane was watching betty with keen eyes and gave her plenty of good advice miss jane was one of those old-time seamstresses who sewed by the day they were often original characters full of oddities and curious points of view yet with shrewd common sense and keen insight into human nature in their wanderings from home to home while drawing in and out the threads or snipping the material they stored up many wholesome aphorisms rules of living deduced from the life around them these they offered freely to their customers often with a peculiar snappishness that seemed to become part of their nature through their occupation so with miss jane she did not gossip but her generalizations on the human family were frequent in weston and one familiar with the village could usually locate the source of her reflections she had watched over betty who had always been her pet and who now at nearly nineteen seemed to the spinster hardly older than the pretty dark-eyed spirited girl who used to recite pieces for the privilege of rummaging through her reticule for peppermint drops and bits of bright silk to make doll clothes with this evening betty was helping her mother with a dress for proud little edwina who had begged to have it for sunday only the swift scratching of lois's pen broke the busy silence until miss jane spoke up slowly now i think a body begins wantin life jest like fine stitchwork surveying not without complacency the pearl-like stitches of her own needlework on lois's fine damask it often turns out pretty rough basting supplemented betty with a desire to carry on the figure rather than from any feeling in the matter 
Yes, I remember my dismay when I realized that things have a way of their own, and people have a way of their own, too, laughed Mrs. Baird, as she laid down the paper pattern on the material for the little dress. Yes, that Miss Snail! In this respect, Miss Jane was like that poor King George, who showed his antipathies by continually miscalling the patronymics of those whom he disliked. So you think, Miss Jane, that it's wiser for Betty to fight it out than... Run away, concluded Betty, standing up and holding before Miss Jane's critical eye the sleeve she had finished. Miss Jane did not reply at once to Mrs. Baird. Her mind was absorbed in her work. She turned the dainty sleeve round and round and held it off at arm's length to get the full effect. Then she answered antiphonally, and live to fight another day. She always heard what you said, but took her own time to answer. Mrs. Baird, who was trying to make a remnant of material suit her pattern, raised her eyes from her work. There, thank goodness, she said with a sigh of relief. I have made it fit the pattern at last. Of course it's easy enough to lay your pattern on a big piece of goods, but even if you only have a remlet, you can most always make it fit the pattern by twisting it this here way, then that there way, observed Miss Jane. Then she pointed at the goods with her shears. Lisbeth, that there remlet's Miss Smell. Make her fit your pattern. You can do it if you'll go to work and try a bit. Miss Snell! Betty did not grasp the analogy. Yes, Miss Shell, my idea's this. You know a good bit about this here decoration business. She don't. She's dumb. You ain't. But she has the say. Twist her round to fit your ideas. You mind me, Betty. I ain't sewed for all Weston for 40 years already without learning that most goods can be made to fit the pattern if it's twisted bout enough. You twister. Yes, Miss Jane, but how in the world can I twist Miss Snell around to my ideas? queried Betty. Easy. Just learn her that your ideas is money in her pocket. She may like her own way, but you see if she don't like money better. Something in the stiff, lean old figure, sitting bolt upright, with the big square-rimmed spectacles pushed up on the forehead, as Miss Jane looked meditatively at her sewing, made a lump come to Betty's throat. And running over to her, she threw her arms around her and kissed her faded hair. Then, plumping herself down on the floor beside her, as she used to do in Weston, she snuggled close to the knees that had held a lapboard so many years that they had grown to look not unlike one. I'll try to be a good little pattern, Miss Jane, she said. That's right, Lisbeth. Miss Jane patted the oval pink cheek, while Betty's face grew bright with the comradeship which she had always felt with Miss Jane. Mrs. Baird, Betty, she looks good today, ain't? She said cheerfully. The two women had discussed the paleness they had noticed in Betty's face lately. If Miss Snell would only say when a thing is right, it would be easier, said Betty to Lois, who now joined the group and was hemming one of her fine napkins. Don't you ever please her? asked her mother anxiously. Oh, I suppose I do, when she doesn't find fault with my work. Well, ain't that all you need? said Miss Jane comfortably. 
A body's expected to do right. Right's part of the bargain, so it ain't spoken of. At the Pines, spoke up Lois, we thought a girl was mean when she didn't say something nice about our new duds or when we did a part well at an entertainment. Only the mean-spirited girls, who watch you with cold little eyes and go around by themselves because they can't find an equal, kept quiet. It was in our code of honor to tell a girl that she had a laurel wreath on her head or some such nonsense. It showed that we weren't envious and were proud of her. And it isn't so easy either, is it, Bet, to praise people. I had to swallow hard many a time before I got it out, when I didn't like the girl. Only those who never try think it's easy and call it flattery. Huh, life ain't no high-toned boarding school, sniffed Miss Jane. She turned to Mrs. Baird as one who had gone, like herself, to a sterner school. Now, Lois, we're snubbed, cried Betty. Let's bolt before my mother has time to answer. Together they ran out and scurried down the steps, and the two women soon heard them in the drawing room singing college songs to Betty's piano accompaniment, Yale songs predominating in honor of Dunmore Lane. End of chapter 19. Recording by Holly Jensen.